Hello everyone and welcome back to part two as we dive a little bit deeper and uh, about, about a quarter of the way through on 1st Peter chapter 3. This is part two so if you have not listened to part one please go listen to it because you're going to be missing you're going to be missing a lot of good stuff that the Holy Spirit gave me. We're going to be starting uh, we're going to be resuming on verse I think it was verse because um, this is a different uh, kind of topic that Peter is going to elaborate on because we just went through verses 1 through 7. Um, wives and husbands and what their conduct is to look like in Christian marriage. I still do have my water, by the way, so... Thank you for being patient with me. And if you're not, then okay, I don't care. I still love you. <laughs> I'm playing a different song today. Or now. I'm playing a different song now than what I was playing earlier. Um, it's, by, it's by the same worship band, uh, Waldner Worship. And it's called Take Me Deeper. It's really, it's really deep. Love instrumental music. Okay, let's open in prayer real quick. And then we will resume in verse 8. Father, as we dive into part 2, I just pray that your spirit would move on people's hearts. I pray for living understanding. I pray for a childlike spirit, a humble heart, a teachable spirit, Father. I pray that people would seek right standing with you. For those who are poor in spirit... Meet them where they're at, Lord, and show them that they're blessed at that point. God, I thank you for taking us out of our sins through Christ. We worship you for that, Father. And Lord, I just pray for these next few moments that your spirit would just touch our hearts to go in deeper intimacy with you, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name. Okay, the dogs went back in. They've been out for quite some time now. So, hang on one second. Because if, if you didn't, if you if if you still have to listen to part one, I'm, I'm house sitting for someone, and they have two wonderful dogs, and I'm, this is why I'm house sitting. So I'm gonna I'm gonna let the dogs back in real quick. I know. Come on in. There's snow on the ground. They're bringing snow in on the floor and everything, and I'm going to have to pick it up later. It's fine. It's fine. Okay. Get my Mikey mic here. My microphone. Okay. So, verse 8. Finally, all of you have unity of mind. Remember that part. Unity of mind. Sympathy, brotherly love, and a tender heart. And a humble mind. Uh, remember the word, the words unity of mind and tender of heart. Go on, Sebastian. Go on. Go lay down, honey. Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, bless. For to do this, you were called that you may abstain, or uh, sorry, uh, obtain a blessing. Now, I want to elaborate on verse 9 real quick. I want to make 
this abundantly clear that before I say this, I have forgiven this person because of the journey the Lord has brought me on over the past seven months with my dad. Some of you guys have heard about my journey with my dad, my childhood, how rough it was, um, but I really see God using it for good. God will never waste a pain. Why? Because God doesn't blink. He doesn't miss a thing. His eyes are always open. He is all-knowing, all-seeing. He's omnipotent. He's the Almighty. And this is why, because of that, that is why we are to fear his name. Kai, what are you doing, honey? Go on, go lay down, go lay down. So verse 9, I'm going to read it again, and I'll kind of elaborate what I wanted to say off note. And for those of you who don't know what off note means, it means that I'm not reading from my MacBook. That's what I mean, okay? So do not repay, e- do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, alas, for, th- for to this you were called. If they weren't called, then Peter wouldn't be saying this. Peter would be... Pretty stupid <laughs> that you that you may obtain a blessing. I'm like, yeah, I'm all in for blessings. I, I mean, I I would assume you are too. How many of you are waiting on a blessing? Who? How many of you? If you're in your room, or you're in your car, just raise your hand. If you're in a season of waiting on a particular blessing, raise your hand. Because I'm raising my hand right now, baby. My dad has continued to um, be very verbally abusive towards me when he doesn't get what he wants. And I have continued to bless him. And it's only by God's grace because my human flesh would be like, yep, screw you. And just give him, you know, two of those fingers. But forgive me, I did actually just put up the two fingers and I'm, I'm sorry, Lord. <laughs> but okay. I make my dad breakfast almost every morning. I made him breakfast yesterday. I made him breakfast today and yesterday. That's my London accent. That's my character, I'm sorry. And then I have a Southern accent. It's just one of my characters. I just, I can't help it. God made me that way. Um, I help my dad fold his laundry. I know that may be weird, but my dad's a broken person and he needs help with things. And as much as my dad says hurtful things to me, I look at this verse and I think about Isaiah 66 where God says, I am looking for someone who will tremble at my words. And when I read this, I have to obey. I must. We are all going to stand before the living God who has never been created, who will never die. And I don't mean Jesus, I mean the spirit God and who has always been here. Always, for all time. I want to be found faithful into being a doer of his word and not be counted as the goats that Jesus calls, but be counted as the sheep. And I can rest in this right here. For to this you were called. To think that God called you to something should be should should lead us to a place of oh my gosh lord what an 
honor that is. To be called by the Creator who made you in the breath of His lungs and is giving you breath in your lungs right now. And your name is engraved, which in the Hebrew, I think it means your face. Your face is engraved in the palm of God's hand. It's Isaiah 49, 16. Look it up in the Amplified Version. Isaiah 49, 16. He called you into this by name that you may obtain a blessing. I'm totally for it. Now, if there isn't a blessing, we should still do it because God's name is worthy. Jesus, his name is worthy because he came down. If Jesus didn't have free will to come down, then then Jesus' humility was in vain, and it means nothing. And it's it 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 it, it is it would mess up our Christian talk conduct of how we read scripture that it that it encourages us and, and directs us to walk in humility. Verse 9 through the Amplified. Um, avoid scolding uh, or berating, which means to scold or criticize ang- angrily and any kind of abuse. So I think, I think it's... My notes aren't making sense here. I'm sorry. Where it says evil or reviling, it means, you know what, I'm actually just going to read it out of my on-hand Bible. Verse Peter 3, 9. Okay, here it is. I'm going to read verse 9 out of the Amplified so we can understand what um, evil and reviling means. And never return evil for evil or insult for insult. Avoid scolding, berating, and any kind of abuse. Um, berating uh, means to scold or criticize angrily. We can't do that. Now, why must we not do this? Because when Jesus said, bless those who curse you, Peter was there. He was right there with the Messiah, in the flesh. And now he's quoting Jesus' words. And if you think about it that way, Peter is not speaking on his own initiative. He's speaking what the Father is doing. Which, in that definition, is not deceptive. There's no deceit found in God's mouth. There's none. God is not that Greek word dipsuhas, the Greek word for, for double-minded. Verse 1, be of one mind. Where, where it says right there, verse 1, where it says, be of one mind. Most of us are willing to have one mind, as long as the one mind is my mind. I Come on. You know it's true, and I know it's true for myself as well. 
But the one mind is to be the mind of Christ, 1 Corinthians 2.16. Our common mind is to be Jesus' mind. We think that way. We do. I'll speak for myself. Most of us are willing to have one mind, but as long, I'll do it. Oh, sure, but only if that it's my mind. And this, this cannot be, beloved. So this command that Peter gives brings us back to the need of God, to, to the need of uh, knowing God's word. We can't be of one mind, the mind of Jesus, if we don't know what his mind is. The word of God shows us the mind of Jesus. And then the verse where it says, having comparison, uh, tenderhearted and court- uh, uh, courteous, Peter described the kind of warm love that should be among the people of God. We should be uh, compassionate, brotherly, tenderhearted, and even polite. Remember that this was the measure Jesus gave. I'm reading from my notes. This is from Blue Letter Bible. These notes I'm reading from. Gave to the word to identify his disciples. By this, you will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. John 13, 35. Jesus did not command us to like our brothers and sisters in Christ, but we are, to command, we, we are commanded to love them. And once we start loving them, we will start liking them. I love that. Verse 10, For whoever desires to love life and see good days, let him keep his tongue from evil and his lips from speaking deceit. Let him turn away from evil and do good. Let him, speak, let, let him seek peace and pursue it. For the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and his ears are open to their prayer. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. So verses 10 through 12, what we just read, is actually a quotation quotation from Psalm 34, 12 through 16, uh, which demonstrates the blessing that comes to those who turn away from evil and do good. So... I want to elaborate on verse 12 real quick because you may kind of look at that and go, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous. Well, Paul says in Romans that none are righteous. And so you go, that's when you realize that, you know what, actually, so this is, you guys know that I've talked about that verse in Job, Job 38, where God says to Job, you're speaking about things that you don't know about. And so this is a verse I have a tough time wrapping my head around. Like first, I think it's 1 John 3 where it says, a person who practices evil is a son of the devil, but he who practices righteousness is a, is a, is a son of God, is a, a child of God. That, that's what he says. And so you think, well... Jesus says that, well, in John's gospel, chapter one, I think it is, it says that those who believe in Jesus have the right to become children of God. So to believe, does that imply an action then as well? I don't know. Of course, you probably have to look at that in the Greek. But when we mess up, we can... We can confess that to the Lord and the Lord will forgive us and then he'll hear our prayers. So that's kind of how I would interpret verse 12. 
so, and you could also refer the righteous towards those who are in Christ. But that doesn't mean that we just get to live lives of sin and not confess it to the Lord, but rather, you know, we, we went over where Peter says, be sober-minded, and what that means is to be self-disciplined. So being self-disciplined in walking out teleos, uh, which is, you know, the, the Greek word for perfect or completeness, in different aspects to continue to have fruit in our lives. Verse 13, Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? So think about that. Who is there to harm you if you're zealous for what is good? Seriously. But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them nor be troubled, but in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you, meaning eternal salvation. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. I think that part right there is super key because we can get, in a, we can get into a character of when someone comes and ask us, how are you so happy? How do you have so much peace with everything going on? We can definitely get into a self-righteous attitude at that point, but Peter says here to do it with, with a spirit of gentleness and respect. He doesn't say spirit of respect, but I think, I think it's fine I'm adding it in there, honestly. Verse 16, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good if that should be God's will than, than for doing evil. It's beautiful. There's so much hope we can find in this, beloved. And who is he who will harm you? The, 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 the part where it says, and who is he that will harm you? At the beginning of verse 13, Though Peter says that Christians should always answer evil with good, he also lived in the real world and he knew that people often repaid good with a response of evil. And then where it says, but even if you should suffer for righteousness sake, you are blessed. Peter reminds us that there is even a blessing for us when we suffer for righteousness sake. Because Jesus says it in the Beatitudes, he says, blessed are you who suffer for righteousness sake. I'm going to read out of the Amplified, because when you read that out of the Amplified, there's a word that they add in there that will really help you understand how big the blessing is. Matthew 5. Okay. I'm going to read verses 10, 11, and 12 to understand suffering for righteousness' sake because they all kind of go together. Verse 10, Blessed, comforted by inner peace and God's love are those who are persecuted for doing that which is morally right, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven both now and forever. Verse 11, Blessed, morally courage and spiritually active or spiritually alive with life, joy, and God's goodness, are you, when people insult you and persecute you and falsely say all kinds of evil against, speak 
and say, sorry, and falsely say all kinds of evil things against you because of your association with me. Be glad and exceedingly joyful, for your reward in heaven is great, absolutely inexhaustible. For in this same way they persecute the prophets who are before you. You can read Second Chronicles 36, 16 to look at when the prophets were killed by the people because they didn't want to hear what they had to say. Um, so yeah, like there is a blessing for you in the midst of that. Okay. God will care for us, especially when we suffer unjustly. He won't miss it. He won't. He's not going to need the angels to remind him about what happened or anything like that. Vengeance is his. If God would miss something like that, then he's not God. He's not omnipotent. He's not all-knowing. He's not almighty. But he is beloved. Jesus spoke the same uh, attitude where he says, And do not fear those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul, but rather fear him, meaning God, who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. It's Matthew 10, 28. Um, verse 18, For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in person, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared in which a few, that is, eight persons were brought safely through water. Now there's a footnote for verse 18. Excuse me, I'm sorry. Where it says suffered, uh, some manuscripts actually say died, which is interesting. The part in verse 18 where it says the righteous for the unrighteous that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but being made alive in the spirit. For me personally, this was confusing to understand, so I read it uh, in my on-hand Amplified Bible, and Peter is essentially saying Jesus, being righteous, died for the unrighteous, so that we could be put together, being whole in spirit through Christ. Because Jesus says, blessed are you who are poor in spirit. Who can make us spiritually whole again? Jesus can. He can make us in right standing with God spiritually. Where it says, For Christ also suffered once for sins. Jesus suffered once for sins. There is no longer any sacrifice or atonement that can please God other than what Jesus provided at the cross. Even our own suffering won't pay for our sins. The price has already been paid. Verse for verse 19, let's go back to that word in which um, it can also translate into the spirit or in whom. So verse 19, where it says in which we can say the spirit, he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison. I'm not sure what that means by prison. I'm not sure how to interpret that. I'm sorry, but it could also interpret into in whom.
excuse me. Okay. I had a tiny little burp there. <laughs> okay. Verse 21, baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal from not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. Um, you're going to have to forgive me. I did not actually finish this message. Or wait, maybe I... I didn't write down my favorite verses, so I'm going to go off note here for the last few verses. Um, I've just been so busy over the past few weeks. I'm sorry. I think, yeah, okay. So, um, I want to elaborate on verse 21 real quick, where it says, Baptism, which, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal from dirt... From the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. So it's saying that baptism really does have power. And baptism is an outward declaration of you showing people that I'm putting my faith and trust in Jesus for my sins, and I'm deciding to follow his will now. And then, and then um, Peter finishes in verse 22 who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. I love the end of that where it just really signifies the supremacy of Christ. My favorite verse, honestly, it's probably verse 9. Let's find that real quick. Um, Do not repay evil for evil or reviling for reviling. But on the contrary, bless, for to this you were called, that you may obtain a blessing. That's where I'm really putting my hope in right now for the season that I'm in. It's hard, but you know what? It's what I'm called to do, and this is not my home. I know one day I'll be in heaven, and that is where I'm yawning. Sorry, that is where I find my hope. Now, I don't have it typed out, obviously, but what did I, Josiah Mobius, personally learn in uh, 1 Peter 3? Um, oh, you know what? I learned what it means for a wife to submit to her husband. And I think it's my, my allergies have been acting out recently. It means to respect the man's authority in marriage as he is a subject to the Lord. And that it's not because she, and, what, and I also found out what it meant by the weaker vessel. And what it means is actually just like physical strength, which is fine. It's not sexist. Um, and if it comes across that way, I would really challenge you to like, look at that differently. That's not what Peter is saying. But that wives, you play a vital part in marriage. And you play a vital part in the body of Christ. And to break down the context, Peter talks about how wives are to submit to their husbands and husbands honor their wives. And how us as Christians, when we go through emotional 
or physical persecution, we can trust the Lord in the midst of it. And we can trust that God will bring vengeance, whether that's in today's time here on earth or when judgment day happens. Let's close in prayer. Lord, I thank you for today's message and the words that were spoken. I just pray that we would continue to put on the garment of righteousness that Christ has given us. Give us confidence in resting in Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. I pray for my listeners' dream realm tonight and the next day and the next day, Lord, if those days are to come. You'd protect them, Father. They would grow in intimacy with, the Holy, with you, Holy Spirit. They would walk in the Spirit. They would seek you. They would have divine intimacy with you, Holy Spirit. I pray for those struggling with any sexual sin, Lord, and you would direct their steps to walk that out into... repentance and having action in that repentance. I pray for my listeners' words that come out of their mouths and that it would be pleasing towards you, Lord. Holy Spirit, in the midst of when they are reviled, help them to bless and not curse and not speak evil for evil and not revile for revile. Teach us to do this, Lord. Help us to find joy in doing that for you. Help us to make ourselves servants for you. In Jesus' name. Amen. All right, um, beloved, I have a couple announcements. I should have let you know this a couple weeks ago, but I didn't, so please forgive me. A little while ago, I got an email from Moody Bible Institute in Chicago about classes coming up in the springtime, which is just around the corner here. And as I'm reading the email, I had a deep piece about going back to school. Um, so I did apply that night. My dad gave me some money for the application fee. The deadline was the next day, so I was thinking this was like divine intervention by the Lord. I had a lot of peace about it when I was reading over the email. It was by a lady named Megan Bishop. So there's a chance that I might go back to school. Um, I do feel that I need to grow more theologically in understanding Greek and Hebrew language. If I want to be a pastor one day, I, I need to learn more. And I've been reading through so much scripture over the past two years consistently. And I've learned a lot. And I've understood certain scriptures in the right context. And it's really blessed me. Um, I've gone through those seasons. But, um... Yeah, so I wanted to hear back if I get accepted. So this isn't going to be my last episode. I think I think if I do go back, I will I will type out something very personal and very um, engaging with your guys' hearts. And uh, also, uh, you guys know it's the new year coming up. Woohoo! Twenty twenty three, baby. 
Um, for quite some time now this year, I have been writing down prophetic words that I have for next year. And I'll pull up my notes real quick. I have 18 words so far, and they're all in my notes. And uh, Lord willing, I'm planning on uploading those words this Friday on the 30th. So please be tuned to listen to that, share it with a friend. Um, I am going to pray sometime tonight to see which words may be true, if they really were from the Lord. Because um, it is a lot of words, but you know, God is doing so many things here on earth to prepare his body for his second coming. Yeah, so I just want to let you guys know that. Please be praying for, for Moody. I really do feel that this really could be what the Lord has for me next. And um, So we'll see. Um, if you have any questions about today's sermon, you can email me at josiahmorbius12 at yahoo.com. Um, and uh, be really excited for this, this Friday when I'm going to upload those words that I have for... Uh, they're, they're words concerning... 2023. Thank you so much for listening to our part two as we look at 1 Peter chapter 3. This is your friend Josiah. God bless you.